So the, I'm just uh, doing a real quick recap. Our first one was the importance of knowing that the work is done. And um, Ellen taught this beautiful teaching on the meaning of the Lord's Supper and the fullness of what God did for us with the blood that he shed and with his body that was broken, that the work was finished. The second session was about the love of God. And again, knowing that he loves you is the basis for your healing. Knowing that he loves you put in, puts you in a position of being able to believe him for the work that he finished. Then Fran taught this awesome teaching that I had been recommending. I can't tell you how many people I said, listen to this. Exalt the truth over the facts. Here's the bottom line. Many of us have heard the doctor give us bad news, a bad report. When we exalt the truth over that report, it puts us in a whole different position. And the one thing that you said, Fran, that just really spoke volumes to me is the truth, God's truth, God's promises. If we, here's, here's me, here's me and my soul, because our soul's the, the part that kind of gets in the way sometimes of receiving. My soul is my mind, my will, my emotions. So here's me and my soul. If the truth's right here, God's word, God's promises are right here, and the report's over there. The report has no power because the truth is right here, guarding my heart, guarding my mind, guarding my soul. And she did this a powerful teaching on exalting the truth, exalting Jesus over the bad report. And we all need that. Every one of us, either personally or in our family, have gotten bad reports. But God has a way to, to not let those reports in not receive them, immediately say, no, this is the truth. So that was the last teaching, and I, it has been viewed, I don't even know, probably at least 100 times. I mean, like two days later, it was 50 times. So it's been viewed a lot. So today, this teaching that I'm going to teach today is actually two keys. The title is Your Faith and Your Move. And I'm going to be sharing two keys of healing. And here's the, the first big key. You receive the finished work of Jesus according to your faith, not someone else's faith or someone else's revelation. It's according to your faith, not Cindy's faith, your faith, not Fran's faith. Now, that's not to say that God doesn't do things through the gifts of the Spirit like he did with the prayer over the knee. But when the typical way to receive is through faith. God did his part and our part is to believe. That's the most common way to receive. I know that's how I received my healing all of those years ago was through faith. But it's through our faith, not somebody else's. So let's look at a scripture. I'm going to open my Bible to Matthew chapter 9 and read an account where there was a man who was healed according to his faith. Matthew chapter 9. Starting with verse... 28. And this is what it says. And when he had come into the house, the blind man, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. And their eyes were opened. So Jesus asked them, can you believe this? Do you believe I can do this? They said, yes. Their faith was, was in there. Their faith was there to receive. And Jesus said, okay, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. And they were healed at that moment. But it was according 
to their faith. This faith that we're talking about is of the heart, not the head. What we believe in our heart is what matters because that's how we receive from God. So what we're going to talk about today is something that the Bible terms as sincere, unfeigned faith. I want to read the scripture from 1 Timothy 1.5. In this, in this chapter, um, this, this is written to Timothy, who is a young, um, a young pastor, and he is out there shepherding flocks. And this letter is written to him from Paul to Timothy. And this is what he says. Whereas the object and purpose of our instruction and charge is love, which springs from a pure heart and a good, clear conscience and sincere, unfeigned faith. So he's talking about this, this desire to give truth, this object and purpose. It would be like Kent and I saying, our heart, our passion is to give you truth. And the way that we give you truth, the way that we shepherd you is with a pure heart. That's my prayer all the time. God, give us a pure heart. And with, and with um, a clear conscience and with sincere, unfeigned faith. So that word, I looked that up. What is unfeigned? The word sincere and unfeigned means not counterfeit, not hypocritical but real and sincere. Sometimes we can put on a show. We can put on a face. We can put on a, 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 an act, a mask, and act a certain way. That's not sincere faith. That could be counterfeit. It needs to be our own sincere faith, not somebody else. Sometimes people, out of ignorance, do presumptuous things in the name of faith that are not faith for them at all because they've heard somebody else do that or they've heard a teacher teach that. So they say, okay, that's what she did, that's what I'm going to do. But it needs to be what is in our heart, what we have faith for, what we have peace for. And even Fran said, there's nothing wrong with having surgery, I'm going to address that. If that's where your faith is. There's nothing wrong with not having surgery if that's where your faith is. But it's according to your faith, not somebody else's faith. So it's very important that whatever we do in the name of faith is based on God's word and it's real to us before we act on it. So when we take an action, when we make a decision to, to do or not do something, and we're talking about healing right now, so let's just stay in that, that avenue. Whether to do a treatment or not do a treatment, whether to have surgery or not have a surgery, there are two critical things. The first is that our, our focus is God's word and his truth. And the second is that we only move in faith when it's real to us in our heart. We make the decision that's real to us, that we have peace with, that we have um, confidence in. And we put our faith in God for all of it. We're going to go there in a second. So what I would like to sh take some time um, developing right now is how you and how I can take steps to develop our own personal unfeigned faith. 
This is something that isn't new. You've heard this many times. But my prayer is that this, this part of the teaching will, will, will be unveiled in a new way today. And it will become revelation to you because it has the potential to change everything. Tom taught this a while ago. And when Tom taught it, this is what happens with me. When I hear something that is like, wow, wow, that was powerful. That is life-changing. It's like the Holy Spirit speaking to me instead of Tom. And when, that, when Tom t- taught this that I'm going to share in a minute, I was, rav- I was taking notes, taking notes, taking notes. And I have gone back to those notes. And I have studied it out myself. And I have gone to the same scriptures that he shared. And I have looked at the same studying that he studied out. And now it's not Tom's revelation. It's my revelation. So my prayer is that as I share the same thing, and I'm going to share it two times. I'm going to share it today, and I'm going to share it two weeks from today because I think it's so powerful. My heart is that this is a seed that will grow deeper and deeper and deeper in you. So here's the scripture we're going to look at. This is Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3 from the New Living Translation. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. Now, before I go on, I'm just going to elaborate a little bit. And I'm just going to say, in addition to the sin and the wickedness and the sinners, the joy of those who do not stand on other people's faith, the joy of those who do not depend on just other people to pray for them, the joy of those who do not lean completely on others, for their answers, but, but they delight in the law of the Lord. And you can put in that, in that place of law, you can put the word word or promises. They delight in the word or the promises of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. So in this part of the scripture, it's talking about being planted deep, having roots that go deep. That happens through meditating on the word, the promises of the Lord day and night. We're going to go there in a second. But look at the results of meditating on the promises and on the word day and night. We are like trees Bearing fruit, we are like trees. And when we're planted along the river, we have access to the water. We have access to what we need to have the fullness of life. And whenever I see the word water, I think of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We can have that presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. We are being fed and fueled. And the result is fruit bearing and prospering. In we're talking about healing right now. Healing and receiving the evidence of healing that Jesus already paid for is prospering. It is producing fruit. So now let's go back and look at that process of meditating because that's the key. Meditating on the, the word or the promises day and night. So this is where Tom's teaching comes in. That Hebrew word for meditate is the word haga, H-A-G-A-H. And when you look it up in the concordance, there's a series of words. There often are in a, in a concordance. There's a, a Hebrew or a Greek word, and then there's a bunch of words that it could mean. But the words are in this order in the concordance, and here they are. Utter, mutter. 
meditate, imagine, speak, and roar. So those are the words that the concordance talks about for meditate. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through each of those words and, kind of, and they go in that order. I'm going to show you what that looks like when we meditate on it and then I'm going to share a testimony of, of how this happened in my life during the season when I was first coming to know truth about healing. So the first step is uttering or muttering. When we utter or mutter the word, what we're doing is we're saying it out loud. So we take a promise from the Bible and we just simply read it out loud. And we read it out loud more than once. We read it out loud continuously. What's happening when we read that word out loud is that you're conceiving the seed. The word is seed. The word is seed. And when you read it out loud, you're conceiving it. So it's just like in, in a... In a uh, human beings pregnancy there is there are two simple cells microscopic cells that join together and become a baby and that's what happens when we take in those promises and we utter and mutter them there's conception there is um, the word um, that um, we use because it, because we're talking like a plant growing the word is germination germination okay then the next step is meditate. That word meditate, you're taking the scripture that you've been reading aloud, and the word meditate means to think about it, to ponder it, to focus your attention on it, to talk to God about it, to ask questions about it. So you're stopping to think and to, to contemplate. There's a scripture that I found in the Bible that just blesses me so much. It's in Luke chapter 2, and it's about Mary. In the first chapter of Luke, Mary is, is given the invitation to be the mother of the Messiah. And although she doesn't understand, she doesn't understand how that could possibly be, she says yes. She says, okay, okay. Let it be done unto me according to what you said. Doesn't that sound like the other scripture about the... The blind man, according to your faith, let, let, let your sight be returned. And then Mary said, okay, let it be done to me. And then she became pregnant. She, the, there was the conception. But then she had baby Jesus. This is chapter 2. So she, it went, in chapter 1, it talked about the pregnancy. It talked about um, uh, the delivery of the baby. And then in chapter 2, she has baby Jesus. And the shepherds come. And the mad, magi, magi, I don't know how to say that, magi, the magi come and they worship baby Jesus. I mean, can you imagine? She knows what God told her, but how do these other people know? And they come and they bow down and they worship. And that's where she says this. This is where the scripture is in the Bible. She sa it says, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The treasures of the promise, the treasure of the gift. She was awed, and she kept those things in her heart, and she pondered them. That's the next step in this process of growing a sincere, unfeigned faith. Utter, mutter, meditate. The next step is imagine. We imagine 
by picturing within ourselves what it would be like to see God's promise come to pass. And that is like gestation. That word gestation means in, in, the, in, the, um, in a uh, pregnancy, in a, phys- in a human pregnancy, it means that baby is forming and developing and forming and developing. And that baby can't be born until it's fully developed. But as we meditate and as we imagine, that's what's happening to our promise. It is growing, it's being formed, it's being developed, it's being matured. The process of imagining is seeing it as God sees it, seeing the work finished, envisioning it finished. I'm sure Mary, as she was pondering and contemplating that her baby was the Messiah, she was probably pondering what was going to happen to her baby as he grew into his, his, his adulthood and into that role that, that he was assigned. So we imagine that promise and fulfillment. The next step, number four, then we speak it for what we believe will naturally rise up within us. Listen to the scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, 13. Yet we have the same spirit of faith as he who had, as he had who wrote, I have believed and therefore I have spoken. We too believe and therefore we speak. This is a powerful scripture. Notice it says we have the same spirit of faith. We're talking about developing your own personal sincere unfeigned faith. We have that same spirit of faith. Because when we believe, therefore, we speak. And the next scripture that gives evidence from the Bible to this is Matthew 12, 34. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in there is going to come out of here. Now, initially we speak it, we just mutter and utter and mutter it. But then as we move in this process of growing and growing and growing, it's just coming out of you. Look at Lisa. (laughs) You can't talk with her without her faith coming out of her mouth because that's who she is. It's not unfeigned. It's sincere. It's real. And it comes out of her mouth. And finally, we roar. We roar. So when you think about a lion roaring, what, is, what happens? It is a sign. It is a sound where every animal knows that that king of the jungle is there and they're going to highly esteem that lion and when we roar when our faith is that point where we roar the picture inside of us is refusing to be quiet it's refusing to be held back and faith is making itself known with that roar and the result the result our sincere unfeigned faith is connecting with the finished work and drawing it into that that, um, harvest, that harvest or that giving birth to the promise. Now what I want to do is I want to share what that felt like and and was like when I was going through those steps. And I didn't know that that's what was happening. But when I look back at that season of my life, it is exactly what happened. So at the beginning, I didn't know anything about God's truth about healing. And Jenny gave me the little prayer book. We've got three of them back there. She gave me a little prayer book of healing promises. And she said, this is your medicine. Speak these aloud every day. 
So I started with step number one and two. I started uttering and muttering, speaking them out loud, speaking them out loud. When I started speaking them out loud, I became pregnant with the conception of that word, but I didn't know it. I didn't feel it. I did not have a sincere, unfeigned faith at that point. It was, a, it was too good to be true news. It was good news, but it was too good to be true. I didn't feel like I believed it, but I just kept uttering and muttering it. Then the next step was starting to meditate on it. started to think about those scriptures as I was reading them. I started to ponder them, think about what it said. And our precious Holy Spirit started to just unveil and unwrap those scriptures and just give me more and more and more depth of understanding. And then I would ask him questions and he would help me to understand it even more. And this is what happened to me in my, my faith growth. The first thing that happened was the heavy oppression of fear left. Because like Fran said, I had truth that was guarding my heart and my mind. Because I was uttering and muttering it and starting to contemplate and ponder it. And it was guarding me. And it displaced that oppressive fear. And I had peace. I had peace. That was awesome. And then something else happened. I noticed that as I was reading the promises, I became more and more fervent. And I started to feel strength rise up in me. Edification rise up in me. I felt stronger. And, it, and sometimes I would still feel really puny until I started declaring the word. And as I started, I would start real puny. And then my, my heart would connect. <laughs> And I would start to have more fervency and my strength, my, something inside me just would feel stronger and stronger and I needed that. And then, and this was all kind of a process, then there was even joy. Joy. Kim, I'll never forget you and the joy that I saw in you. And she even called me, I'll never forget, she called me one day and I was talking to her and she said, Cindy, this doesn't make sense. But I literally feel joy. She was going through um, breast cancer and mastectomy and chemo and all sorts of things. And she says, but I literally feel joy. So do you see how this faith, this, this truth, the truth says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And this is what happened. This was this, this happening like in the middle of this, this series Utter, mutter, meditate. And then the next step is imagine. I remember imagining, based on the word, imagining that word coming to pass in my life. And the one that really, really spoke volumes to me was the scripture in Romans, um, I think it's 8.13, but I'm not positive. But the scripture says, the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me and quickens my Holy Spirit. That just, oh, I would just sit and just go, wow, wow, wow. And then I would think about how Jesus died on the cross and the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. And that same Holy Spirit was in me. I would just sit and meditate on that. And then I would think about my lymph nodes because in my body, the cancer was through my whole lymph node system. So I would think about my lymph nodes and I would imagine them. And I had a picture in my, my mind's eye about what lymph nodes looked like. 
and I would see my lymph nodes with the Holy Spirit <laughs> having his way, just making them perfect. And instead of my lymph nodes being overtaken by cancer, I saw my lymph nodes destroying cancer and cancer being washed out of my lymph nodes and just being flushed out of my body. So I imagined, literally imagined my lymph node system being, being freed because of the Holy Spirit that was in me. So I was imagining that, and I did it every day, every day, every day, every day. I was imagining this. The next step is that we speak it. We speak it. I surrounded myself with people who I could speak it with. I had my mentor. I had a small group, and I was going to a church that was a believing believer's church. And I was, every chance I got, I was there, literally. Every chance I got, every time those doors were open, I was there. And I would talk about every step of my journey. That was God. So I didn't talk about all the tests, and I didn't talk about all of the, um, you know, whatever. I did to ask for prayer. But my focus was on all of the little pieces of my testimony. Little ones. They were little tiny things. But I was just in awe of how God was taking me this step, and then this step, and then this step. And I would tell everybody about it. And I was like, wow, wow. Wow, and I just couldn't keep it in. It was just everything, and I remember my principal. I was a teacher at that time, and I, I would just, I couldn't stop telling her. I was telling her about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how I have this, this oh, you know, this Holy Spirit in me, and I pray in tongues. She probably thought I was nuts. <laughs> and she would look at me, and this relationship, and, 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 I, and God hears me, and I talk to him, and I have this amazing prayer life, and everything was so over. Uh, not overwhelming, awe-inspiring. And I couldn't help but tell people about it. And so I talked about it. That's what the scripture says. You believe and therefore you speak. And then the last step, well, I wanna, before the last step, I want to tell you, there's a piece here that I think is important. About that time, I was growing, 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 growing. About that time, there came a point where I had to make a decision about what to do with my my. Um, the next step in what the doctors wanted to do in my body. And I had to make a decision. And I had, I had a few choices. I, one choice was to do nothing and stand completely on my faith. And I knew God was taking good care of me. And I had this amazing relationship going on with God. And my faith was growing, growing, growing into an unfeigned, sincere faith. So I could have said, I'm not doing anything. My second choice was to treat it as if it were stage three cancer and start treatment with chemo, and actually it was immunotherapy, and I don't know what all, but it was a massive, aggressive treatment. My third option was to do exploratory surgery, and I'm not going to go through the whole reasons why the doctor wanted to do that, but that was the third option. And I remember going to my mentor, Jenny, and I said, Jenny, I don't know what to do. This is a really hard decision for me, because I want to be in faith. I want to show God I'm in faith. And then Jenny taught me what I'm going to share with you right now. She said, it doesn't matter, Cindy. It doesn't matter because God's going to meet you where you're at. It's according to your faith that you make your decision. It's not according to my faith. It's not according to Pastor so-and-so's faith. It's according to your faith. But it doesn't matter. You go to God. She gave me really good instructions. She said, you go to God, pray in tongues, and seek peace and follow peace. So I did. 
I went before God and I would put each of those three options before God. And I had exploratory surgery. I didn't have faith to not do anything. That's not where my faith was at that time. I had peace with having the exploratory surgery. That's where my peace was. I had no guilt about it. I had complete confidence about it. I had complete peace about it. And now I want to talk about step five, which is the roar. The day that I was going in for that exploratory surgery, uh, my surgery was scheduled late in the day, and I couldn't eat or drink all day, and I was trying to keep occupied. Of course, I knew that I was going to have this, this, this um, big surgery that was going to show me some big results, right? And I knew what the results were, but I still had, uh, you know, it was just, it was a, it was a big day. So I was trying to keep myself active and busy. And I had had my prayer time, of course. I'd had my worship time. And um, I went outside, and I love gardening, so um, I started gardening. And I, had, uh, I have a big lilac bush, and it was middle of June, and my lilacs were all dead, and they were all shriveled up, and you know, it was done. The season was over. I went outside, and I started pruning the lilac bush. I've never done it before or since, but I just had to find something to do. So started cutting off the dead things. And, and that, that, that's when this thing happened to me. It was a supernatural thing, the roar. Out of my innermost being, as I was cutting those dead lilacs off, I saw cancer that had been completely dried up and destroyed, just being removed. But it was in, in, in the way I was envisioning it and the way it was coming up and out of me, I would cut those things off and it became a roar. And I would take the, the branches or the dead blossoms and just throw them on the ground and say, cancer, you're dead. You are dead. You are removed from my body. I have no cancer in me. And it just started to build and build and build until I was literally roaring the truth of God's word. And along with the, the, the fact that the cancer was dead, I was praising God. Jesus, you did this for me. Because of you, because of what you did, cancer is no longer in me. And I was, tears were pouring down my face of emotion, not of fear, not of uh, sorrow, but of just emotion. And these things, I was just throwing them all over. I wasn't trying to pick them up. I was heaving them to the ground. My neighbors must have thought I was totally crazy. But that's what happened. That roar of faith rose up in me and there was like, oh no, devil, no, 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 no. You have no authority. This is me. This is me. I'm whole. There's no cancer in me. Any cancer that was in my lymph nodes is long dead and removed from my body. And that day I went and I had the exploratory surgery and God's word was evidenced in my body. There was no cancer. When they did that exploratory surgery, they expected, they told me what they expected. They expected to find all kinds of cancer in me because that's what a bunch of other tests showed. But there was nothing, nothing. I was completely, perfectly whole. But that's the process. That's the sincere, unfeigned faith. But that was my faith. My faith, that's where I was. So what I want to share with you right now, and this is on your sheet, but I just want to re reiterate that when it comes to faith for healing, it does not violate our faith to go to doctors or to take medicine. Faith and medicine are not in opposition to each other. 
God and medical science are working together for the same end result, restoring health. There are a lot of amazing men and women who have given their lives to serve others. I remember when I had surgery once, the doctor, in fact, I was just telling Kim this, the doctor, when I went to see him and I had prayed, God, give me the right doctor. You know, God, lead me to the right doctor. We can put our faith in God for every step. And when I went to this doctor, he started, I, I don't remember how the conversation opened, but he started to tell me about his faith. And he was in tears as he was telling me about miracles that he had seen under his own hands. He said, my hands are God's hands. And he said, and he, he gave me miracles. He told them to me, like I share testimonies with you. He shared them with me. So this is what I want to say. The issue isn't whether or not to take medicine. The issue isn't whether or not to have surgery. This is the issue. This is what's important. Put your faith in God. A hundred percent. Put your faith in God. And if your choice or your faith is to have surgery or to go to the doctor, put your faith in God for that medicine or for that surgery or for that whatever it is. But put your faith in God. Don't put your faith in the doctor. Don't put your faith in the medicine. That's the wrong place. Put your faith in God. He's a big God. I literally prayed over every supplement I, I take. I pray over every vitamin I take. I pray when I, when I pray for you guys, if, you're, if you choose to take um, whatever treatment, I pray, we pray over that and, and ask God, God, you do it. You do it. I literally pray that, it, that I'm just going to use this as an example, chemotherapy. God, that's not the doctor's chemotherapy, that's yours. <laughs> You go in that medicine and you do your thing. So put your faith in God for that. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is to act on what you have faith for. Act on where you have peace, not on someone else's faith. That's important. It's according to your faith. And yours might not be the same as the next person's, and that's okay. My desire in this teaching and everything I do is to give seeds, to plant seeds so that those seeds can become manna and feed you and build you up. And like, like when I took this message and it was like, wow, and just started to chew on it myself when you do that the same thing will happen it'll grow in you and it will grow stronger and stronger and stronger in you and that's my prayer when faith comes once faith comes nothing can stop you from your appointment with healing yeah but it's according to your faith the next key that I'm going to share today is called it's your move it's your move God has already done everything he needs to do to provide your healing he's simply waiting for you to believe and take action on your faith it's your move now so this is another key it's your move I'm going to share two two I think two 
maybe three, misconceptions that are out there in the world that you hear all the time. And I want to address them and show you the truth. So here's the first misconception. You've probably heard this. If God wants me well, then I'll get well. That's his business. There's nothing I can do about it. What will be, will be. That is a lie. That mindset puts all the responsibility on God and none of the responsibility on you. But that's not how God has ordained our lives. That's not, he's given us a part to play. Healing, this is important, healing doesn't happen automatically even though it is the will of God. It doesn't happen automatically. An individual's will, our will, our chooser, and our belief system affect what part of God's will and Jesus' redemption we receive. I'm going to say that again because that's really important. Our will, our free will, and our belief affects how much of God's will we receive, how much of the finished work of redemption we receive. We have a huge part to play. I'm going to use the example of salvation. Most Christian people believe that it's God's will to save and that in order to save, our part is to believe in Jesus and to confess it, to believe it in our heart, to confess it with our mouth. I want to show you what the Bible says. This is Second Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord does not delay and is not tardy or slow about what he promises, according to some people's conception of slowness. But he is long-suffering. He's extraordinarily patient toward you, not desiring that any should perish, but that all should turn to repentance. So this scripture says that his desire, he doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want, he wants everyone to turn to him, to turn to repentance. He doesn't want anyone to perish. But we know that there are people all over that haven't chosen salvation. And they are perishing. So just because it's God's will doesn't mean it automatically comes to pass. We have a part to play. So everything, everything that has been provided for us in the redemptive sacrifice of Jesus is without question God's will for us. But none of those promises, none of those parts of the extravagant grace of God are automatic. Forgiveness, eternal life, healing, wholeness, provision, peace. None of that is automatic, even though it is, without question, the will of God. Now, if you have never heard that that's the will of God, and you're not sure that what I'm saying is true, come to anyone on our ministry team and we'll give you biblical evidence that it is God's will to heal. It is God's will to save. It is God's will for us to be whole and to, to have an abundant life. That's God's will. So this is how Greg Moore explains this. And I'm, I'm going to share something from his book right now. This is what he says. Think about this. It is certainly the will of God for each of us to walk in God's forgiveness 
and to walk in freedom of sin. Most people believe that Jesus died for our sins. That is definitely God's will. Yet, we can still make the choice to hold on to habitual sin. That doesn't mean that a lifestyle of sin is the will of God. Of course not. In the same way, it's the perfect will of God for each of us to walk in divine healing and health. But we can keep and nurse sickness in our bodies if we want to. That doesn't change God's mind and his will about his desire for us to be well. It is God's will. But the will of God is not going to happen without our participation. Now, here's, here's the, the nugget, how we participate in God's will to heal. And it all goes back to the same thing we always focus on. The scriptural evidence is from Ephesians 2.8, and it's in, on your paper. Everything we, we receive, every part of redemption, we receive from God by grace. I don't think I put the scripture reference, but the sentence is on there. Everything we receive from God is by grace. That's God's part. Through faith, our response to God's part. We can only have faith for healing when we know God's grace has been provided for us. So we can only have faith to believe when we know the truth. Now, how do we know the truth? What we believe depends on how much or how little we're grounded in the word. What we believe is dependent on how much or how little we're grounded in the word, how we're rooted and grounded in the word. If we're barely rooted or grounded, our believing is going to be pretty puny. If we're deeply rooted and grounded, faith will rise up. Sincere, unfeigned faith will rise up. So our knowledge drastically affects what we receive from God. What you don't know can hurt you big time. Big time. So I want to talk about another misconception. And the misconception is, <laughs> this one's really fresh in my heart right now because I, I was given a book and I've been, I haven't even told my husband this, I've been reading this book and he was teaching this in the book and I was livid. He was teaching that whenever we pray, whenever we pray, this should be the ending to our prayer. If it be thy will. That is a lie. Now, many of us didn't know that and many of us, you may still be there and that's why I want to teach this. That's why I feel it's important to teach this. I used to teach, I used to, I used to pray this way all the time. Whatever I prayed, I prayed, if it be thy will. If a word is in the Bible, if it is given to you in the Bible, it is God's will. If there is truth here written, it is his will. And if we, and okay, let's just back up. Healing is evidenced in the Bible 
all over the place. There are specific scriptures that say, by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. There are specific scriptures in here that say that Jesus fulfilled the prophetic word of Isaiah, that he carried our pain, he carried our disease, he paid the penalty for our wholeness and our healing. There's evidence when we look at Jesus in the Gospels, who healed everybody who came to him, who never said no, who never said you're not good enough, who never said I'm teaching you a lesson by keeping you sick. There's evidence when we look at Jesus. Jesus is perfect theology. If the Bible gives us truth, then we don't pray if it be your will. That's like negating his promises. That's unbelief. That's saying, your Bible says it's, it's your will to heal, but I better say this, if it be your will, God, heal me. That is, that is not standing in, on the word. In order to stand in faith, we don't pray if it be his will, if it's already in here. I want to show you a scripture that gives us a really awesome truth. This is in John, the, the epistle of John, chapter 5. 1 John 5, verse um, 14 and 15, I believe. And this is what it says. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the, uh, the petitions that we've asked of him. That's truth. It says, ask according to my word. Ask according to my will. And be confident. Because I am, God says, I am not a man that I should lie. He says, my promises are yes. I say yes to my promises. And your response should be, amen. So be it done unto me. That's what Mary said. That's what he wants us to say, according to our faith. So we don't pray if it be thy will, if we know his will. Now, there are times when it is appropriate to pray if it be your will. And that's when you, it's not given to us in the Bible. For example, if there is a specific job opportunity, that's not in the Bible. And you're not sure if that's the best for you or not. Then it's good to say, God, help me to understand this. If it's your will, give me peace. If it's not your will, give me lack of peace. I had one experience years ago where I was offered a, a position as an administrator in a, a Christian um, charter school. I was a teacher, I was a learning consultant in Rochester schools with um, a teaching contract um, and a, a, a good solid job. And then I was offered this job as a Christian charter school administrator. And it sounded like something God would want me to do. It sounded, uh, you know, like um, doing something for the kingdom, right? And I went to God, and I said, God, help me with this. If it's your will, I, want, I will, uh, yeah, absolutely. That's what I want to do if that's your will. But if it's not your will, I don't want to do that. And he gave me three, not one, but three evidences that that was not his will. But I just asked, and that's how I prayed. But there was nothing in the Bible that said, 
stay in your job or go to this job. So I pray, God, show me your will for this. But if the truth is in here, we don't pray if it be thy will. And the last um, little piece I want to share is that faith, we're talking about our move. It's our move. Faith involves action. I'm going to read James chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. Abraham took an action that probably none of us could take, but he acted in obedience to what God spoke to him. He was given the promise that he would be the father of many nations. And in another scripture in Hebrews, it says, he even knew that somehow he was going to be the father of many nations, so God would probably have to raise his son from the dead if he actually sacrificed him because he trusted God and he had faith. And he acted according to what God showed him, even though that was so hard. But the, the key here is, I love this, it says his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. We're talking about our move. God says it's our move. So what does that mean? Faith involves actions. I'm going to give you three things. We've already talked about two of the three. The first one is we needed to be rooted and grounded in the word. That's an action. It takes action to stay rooted and grounded in the word. It takes consistency. It takes a, a, a desire to know what God wants you to know. So that's the first action. The second action is to believe. God says that's our part. And believing is a choice. It doesn't have to be some um, uh, feeling. Like, like I told you my story, at first I didn't feel anything. But as I continued to utter and mutter and meditate and imagine and, and speak, it, it grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. So you don't really have to go by feelings. It's a choice. And we must believe. We must respond in faith. That's believing to his promise and say, God, I choose to believe. I choose to believe this over the doctor's report. And I've had issues. I was talking to Kim today. I've had more than one where I've had something that's hard to look beyond. And, and even though that thing, and in my case, it, the second time I had a big issue, it was my thyroid. And even though I had that and it was big, you know, I had doctor's reports. I had a lump in my neck. I had all this stuff. But it was like, this is my report, God. This is my final report. Everything else has to bow to this. I chose to keep my Bible, his word, in the forefront. So that's the second step in action that I wanted to share. And the third one is that we need to listen for the Holy Spirit's promptings and take action. We need to listen. That's what Isaac did. I'm sorry, that's what Abraham did. He listened, and he followed God's, God's direction. In two weeks, I'm going to be teaching a uh, teach, uh, uh, message that has, again, two topics. The first one is seeing, and the second one is hearing. So I'm going to go deep into that. But here's the one nugget I want to share with you. It's important that we take 
some step, however small, toward our healing. We need to take action that reflects our belief. A corresponding action that reflects our belief. It might be talking about your belief. That might be your action. It might be putting a smile on your face when you don't feel like smiling. Um, my friend Kathy, I didn't share this with you guys, but since you've seen her, she had an appendectomy, an emergency appendectomy. And um, I went to the hospital to visit her a couple times, and, and she felt like heck. I mean, she had a lot of pain before the appendicitis, before the appendix was taken out. And then afterwards, she was recovering from surgery. And, and that's what we talked about. I said, Kathy, you can be a light right here in this hospital. You can be a light to the nurses and the people that are helping you just by, you know, being courteous and respectful and smiling and telling them thank you. And, and, and she says, yeah, you're right. You know, she's teachable. And she didn't look, she wasn't, she didn't look like she was, had a corresponding action that was matching her faith at first. <laughs> and we had to have a little talk. And I mean, I understand, of course. And I say, you need to rest. Yes, you need to follow. Absolutely. But we can also put a smile on our face. We can also do something that is a step of faith, even if it's a small one, a small step of faith. What might that be? Ask God what that might be in your life. What is a step of faith I can take that is corresponding with my belief? An action that corresponds with my believing. It's our move. It's our move. God has done his part. He's waiting for us to believe. We often say, God, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Uh-uh. Remember the scripture that says, I got to read it again. It's really good. Uh, if I can find it. Sorry, I am going to find it because it's really a good one to read right now. It says, The Lord does not delay and is not tardy or slow about what he promises. He is long-suffering. He's extraordinarily patient towards you. In other words, he's waiting on us to believe. He's done his part. It's not us waiting on him. It's his waiting on us to believe and to take action on our faith. It's our move now. It's our move now. So those are a couple of nuggets to go home and talk to God about. Go home and, and meditate on. Go home and read the scriptures again. Think about. It might be the key for you to unlock your healing. So would you stand up right now and we're going to praise God and we're going to declare our belief. Again, we're choosing. When we declare, sometimes you don't really feel it, but you're choosing to declare it.